Morning, y'all. Morning. How's everybody? Good, thank you for asking. Um, today we're starting a new series called Live Free. And uh, the whole premise is uh, based out of uh, the epistles where Paul writes, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. The whole idea is that we were designed to live a certain way by our Creator. And the question is, how do we get freed up? How do we get freed up from all the stuff that holds us back so that we can live free in the way that God designed us to live? I was bound and determined to learn how to water ski. And I'd been in the water for a little over an hour now. I'd fallen at least 10 times. And all the poor people who were stuck in the back of the boat who were promised like this nice boat ride, kind of an easygoing Sunday afternoon, were now praying, Lord, please just let him stay up because they were all getting a little nauseated by all the stopping and starting of the boat trying to take care of me and it was getting a little old by now. But this was it. All right? I felt it. I promised myself no matter what, I was not going to let go. So I give my brother the big thumbs up. My brother was the one who was driving the boat. And I grab a hold of the rope and we begin to take off. And as the boat picks up speed, my fingers clinched tightly around the handle. And I'm telling you, I wasn't letting go for nothing. I was hanging on to that rope for dear life, and I have to tell you that I had gone farther than I ever had before. There was just one problem. I wasn't standing up. (laughs) I was being dragged behind the boat on my face. But I wouldn't let go, as if somehow not letting go like counted for something. And I can see kind of through all the water, my brother is trying to yell something at me, but I can't hear because all I can hear is the sound of water plowing into my ears as I am being dragged behind the boat. Finally, my brother shuts off the engine. He stops the boat. I'm lying there in the water just trying to recover after just taking this beating of being dragged behind this boat at 30 miles an hour on my face. I get enough strength and I just ask my brother, I said, what is it that you were trying to say? And he just kind of shakes his head at me. He goes, let go of the rope, fool. (laughs) You know, there's just certain things in life that we need to hold on to tightly. But then there's those things that we need to learn. We got to let go of them or we are going to get dragged through the wake of this life by our face. There's a story that Jesus tells that's a very sobering story about life. And he talks about this guy who has experienced some huge success in his life. I mean, it's a life that we would all dream of, but there was just one problem. His life was about to come to an end that very night, and He didn't know it. Let me read for you from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. And it says that Jesus told them this parable. 
the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to myself, dude, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry because it's good to be me. I added a few things there. But so this is a man who thought he had his whole life under control. He was making good money. He had had a great financial year. So I'm guessing it was somewhere around 2006-ish. And he says to himself, what am I going to do with all my money? Good problem to have, right? He said, I know. I'll build bigger stuff. I'll upgrade. I'll save more. I'll spend more. I'll invest more. And he kicks back and he says, yep, it really is a good life. Well, his life takes a little bit of a strange twist because in verse 20, God says to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who's going to get all that you have prepared for yourself? He was just holding on to it all so tightly, you know? And you can almost see God shaking his head and just saying, fool, let go of the rope. Let go of the tight grip that you have on all the stuff of this world. It's dragging you away from me and it's killing you. And that very night, this man who thought he had everything under control, he took his last breath on this earth. How would it be different for you if you knew that you didn't have just 30 days left, but tonight would be the night? It would be your last night on this earth. What is it that you think that you would be clinging so tightly to? Well, Jesus ends up in verse 21 and he says, This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. According to Jesus, we have a choice. We can invest our lives in the stuff of this world that one day we are told will all come to an end. Or we can invest in the stuff of God that we are told that will last forever. You pick. The most recent example we have of what the end game looks like when you invest in the stuff of this world is our homes. Right? When you, when we, bought our homes in the early 2000s-ish, we all thought we were making a pretty good investment, didn't we? We watched home prices go up year after year after year, and we thought, this is it. This is our future. This is our retirement. What we didn't contemplate was the complete erosion of everything that we put our faith in, maybe without even realizing it. But we put our faith in the U.S. economy. And we said, it's too big to fail. 
It is way too strong to take a nosedive. And we put our faith right there. And now so many of us are in situations where we're so far underwater with where our mortgage is in comparison to the value of our home. You know what I'm talking about? It could take 20 years to bring that value back. I talked to a guy just yesterday and he said, you know, we're just thinking about handing the keys back to the lender and walking away. Who could have ever believed that something like that could occur? As many of you know, I'm just an unpaid volunteer here, and my paying job is that I'm an owner in a real estate investment firm. And from 2003 to just right around the beginning of 2007, I worked my rear end off to build a portfolio of investments for our company that would make us millions of dollars. And just about the time that we were to begin cashing in our first contract so that we could realize these enormous profits, the real estate market begins to unravel. We were just weeks away from earning millions of dollars and the bottom drops out. And now instead of sitting back and enjoying our success, all of a sudden we're out there scrambling, just trying to survive. We spent the next two years working through some very difficult issues as a result of the values that were created with the new economy. But I have to tell you, we came out a stronger company because of this. We now see the world completely different than we did before. Because we don't have as much faith in the values of the stuff that we used to. I could go on and on and tell you about how some of my investors lost everything in the stock market. How so many others lost money in bonds, which are supposed to be so safe. You see, we all put our faith in whatever it is that we're investing in. But somewhere down the road, We were sold a bill of goods and we were led to believe that we should put our faith in that which we can see and touch and feel because it's a whole lot safer than that which is unseen. Right? It's a whole lot smarter and a lot more sane for us to invest in the stuff of this world rather than the stuff of faith, the stuff of eternity, the stuff of God. That means nothing. But look where that got us. Can we begin to get some clarity and to see how easily deceived we have been about what we should or should not be investing our lives in? What will it take until we finally understand that there is only one thing that is worth investing in? There is only one thing that at the end of the day will hold its value. And Jesus put it like this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, and where the economy tanks your investments. But store up for yourselves treasures on earth, treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart 
be also. In other words, wherever it is we put our money, wherever it is that we put our time, wherever it is we are investing our life, that is the core of who we are. That is what we are totally invested in. And this is where the idea of giving comes into play in the Bible. Because this offering time that we have every week, that is what keeps us in check as to where our heart is. It's a weekly reminder that everything that we work so hard for will not last and in the end will have no value. It helps us to let go of the things that seem so important to us right now at this point in our lives, but in the end will have no meaning. And it's God's desire that we give cheerfully and freely in the practice of the letting go of this world. Because every time we drop our offering into that bag, every time we write that check to this church, every time we give that tithe, we are letting go of another little piece of this world. You may have noticed that during the offering time here, we'll often say that if you're not in a relationship with God, then don't give. And and that may seem pretty radical for somebody who's not a follower of Jesus to hear because most people believe that all the church wants is your money. And in spite of the fact that we have a mortgage that we have to pay, that we have gas bills just like everybody else, that we have to pay for everything else that goes on around here that we enjoy We've made a commitment that we will not teach what is contrary to the Bible. And the Bible clearly teaches that giving comes out of a response of God's grace. That we become so grateful for the forgiveness that we've received, for the grace that we've received. We've been so radically transformed by the grace of God that we have a desire to give out of gratitude and not out of some guilt trip. If you're not in a committed relationship with Jesus, you're probably sitting out there thinking, you people are crazy giving your money to this place. I don't blame you. But I want to be very clear about one thing. If your life has not been radically changed by Jesus Christ, if you haven't experienced the grace and forgiveness of God, then you have no reason to give. So don't. We would rather you not give at all than to give for the wrong reason. But I will also tell you this. The opposite is true. If you're in a relationship with God and you're not giving in some meaningful way, I'll challenge your perspective about that. Because giving is very much a part of the Christian life. And the Bible teaches us as followers of Jesus Christ that we have to be able to give up the stuff of this world. To give in a meaningful way. To give in a sacrificial way. To give in a way where we're actually feeling like the stuff of this world is meaningless. And the more that we give, the more we're able to let go of this world the more wisdom that we have, the more clarity that we have, 
The more we give away, the more we're freed up to grow spiritually and to live the life that God has designed for us. Believe it or not, the more we grow in our relationship with God, so does our desire to give. Because giving is not a condition of where we're at economically. Giving is a condition of where we're at spiritually. And it comes naturally out of a sense of gratitude where we have been so rocked by the love of Jesus that we just want to say thank you. And when we invest our money in the stuff of God, we're investing in things that go beyond the realm of this world. God desires that we invest in things that are eternal. Or as Jesus puts it, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. In other words, investing in things that have real meaning. Investing in things that at the end of the day, they hold their value. Let me ask you this. If you knew then what you know now, and you got your $100,000 back that you just lost in your house, how would you invest that today? Put it in the stock market? Throw it in bonds? Real estate? Hide it under your mattress? Or would you invest it in something that has a value that goes beyond an economic downturn? Let me also ask you this. When we get ready to do it again, and we go into the next round, in the next 10 years, and you got that same 100 grand to invest, what are you going to do? Where is it going? Is there any way we can possibly learn that investing in the stuff of this world will let us down every time because I promise you in the next decade there'll be another economic downturn and then another and then another and then another. When you give your money every week, what are you thinking? Do you ever think of it as an investment or do you just see it as some type of an obligation? When you write that check to the church, do you ever think about the people whose lives have been changed as a result of your investment in this place? The people whose lives who have been changed for the rest of eternity because of the church that you have invested in? Or is it just another religious ritual for you? I have to tell you, I am a little biased, but man, I love this church. Because I believe that there are a group of people here who aren't afraid to be real. People who are courageous enough to be honest about the junk in their lives and are accepting of others who do the same. People who aren't afraid to live passionately for God. And I can assure you that if Westridge didn't fill a particular niche in this community, I wouldn't invest my hard-earned dollars here. If Westridge wasn't filling some void that any other church could fill, I wouldn't write my tithe check here. 
I was just having a conversation with a pretty well-known religious leader from the, this community last night who didn't know my role here at the church. We were talking about some real estate stuff, and all of a sudden Westridge came up, and he goes, oh, you're part of that church. I said, yep. He said, you know, I've heard your people are kind of different. I said, yes, sir, we are a different people. And I couldn't be more proud. I truly believe that Westridge creates a bridge for people who don't relate to the normal mainstream church. And it brings people to Jesus who wouldn't ever have a shot at knowing him. People come to Jesus every day here because of the unique role this church plays in this community. And I'm overwhelmed and in awe of that. The mission that we're up to together here at Westridge is a different kind of mission. We say it's helping people to encounter, embrace, and embody the radical nature of God's love. And it's something worth giving our lives for. It's something worth investing in. I see people who are there for each other at this church in their darkest hour. People serving each other, supporting each other, loving each other. I can honestly say that my own life has been changed as a result of being part of this place. To sum it up, Westridge is just a group of people who hold on to each other and help each other to hold on to our faith until the very end. And when we walk out of this world, we walk out of this world together. And isn't it incredible to know that as we walk out of this world, that your investment in this church will last beyond our last breath. It's incredible to think about that your children who are now up in Kids Crossing being taught on how to encounter and embrace the radical love of God up there will one day become the leaders of this church. That's a scary thought, isn't it? (laughs) But it's overwhelming to think about the fact that not only are we affecting the eternal destiny of like thousands of people today, but that we are affecting the eternal destiny of your grandchildren and their children because of the investment that we're making here in this place. Isn't it incredible to know that Westridge will be here long after we're all pushing up daisies? And it's up to us to make sure that the vision of this church lasts beyond our lifetime. This is a place worth investing in. It's a place that at the end of the day, it'll hold its value. So when you peel away the layers of your life, and you're left with just the very heart of who you are. What are you left with? What are you truly invested in? What are you holding on to so tightly that you just don't want to let go of it?
How would it be different if you knew that this was your last night on this earth? What would you be clinging to then? Hold loosely to the stuff of this world. But hold tight to the stuff of God.